When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and with me, a special guest, Daniel Beastet. How are you doing, Daniel? Well done. All right. <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's fun to um, be invited. I, I've been listening to your uh, podcast uh, bits uh, so it's uh, yeah fun to be invited uh, sorry but uh, I missed your first email by the way it kind of <laughs> slipped by no worries it gets buried and ignored yeah. <laughs> but that's why I do the follow-ups <laughs> just to make sure uh, well uh, thank you for, for, for tuning in and uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, this is actually the part of the podcast where I ask our guest, which is yourself, to introduce yourself to our listeners out there of who you are, where you've been, and where you're heading. Yeah. So my name is uh, Daniel Beistad and um, I am uh, a character and creature uh, artist from uh, Stockholm in Sweden. And uh, yeah, I've been like, uh, working in VFX and doing game cinematics um, and working in 3D for uh, over like 10 years now. And um, yeah, I recently switched over to game development, joined Embark here in Stockholm, uh, which is a new company from a bunch of, uh, started from a bunch of DICE people. Um, and uh yeah that's it i think <laughs> that's more than that's it i mean uh if anything uh you yourself have been uh making quite a impact i i think because of the whole blender community have been growing in the last couple of years hmm. and it's one of those like sleeper hits where you know blender used to be like a ah like something that we tease about in the industry and then now it's like it's such a force of like uh of doing everything basically uh really well uh on top of that you know where you're at right now embark you guys are kind of known to kind of do very interesting things uh most notably how you guys are really dedicating a lot of time in r d um mm. And, and sharing that information pretty openly. Uh, so those two things are kind of like the topics of today that I want to kind of dive into because they kind of go hand in hand. Mm. Um, just to kind of relate, uh, being an environment guy, there was a period of my time uh, where there was like a dark period where I'm less opening like 10 programs <laughs> at the same time to do one thing, right? Yeah. And, you know, questioning myself, what am I doing here? Because... The danger of that is, of course, even though it's very specialized programs to do a very like UV mapping or something, mm. a lot of these programs kind of die out like dinosaurs and your your dependency on them becomes uh, an issue, uh, especially when you're moving from studio to studio, you're asking for these programs like, what what is this? Is you need a USB thumbstick to, to turn it on? What, why, why do you yeah. need it? So, I, so it's a lot of it's a loaded question, but do, do you find yourself in, in your your industry? Is that part of the reason why you kind of really dug into the Blender? Because it seems like it has everything done pretty well. Yeah, it's funny actually because like the the reason uh, I started with Blender, I'm, I'm coming from a Maya background in the beginning, yeah. like uh, started out with 3ds Max first, and then quickly realized, oh, there's much more Maya tutorials out there. It was yeah. like uh, back in 2006 or seven when I started looking into 3D. And um, yeah, so I worked with yeah Maya and um, ZBrush for mm -hmm. quite some time. And, and then I saw some 
video uh, on YouTube about uh, cycles, uh, which is like the path tracer in, in Blender. And at the time at the studio I was working for, we were using uh, a render called um, um, 3D Lights, which is a RenderMan clone. Yeah. Um, and I never got my head around it. I was, I was doing characters and wanted to do look dev and stuff like that. Um, and I picked up cycles and blender and was like, Oh, this is just easy. I can just, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, uh, change stuff. And it was felt really intuitive to me. And, uh, then I sort of like had a look around like what else is there in Blender? Because I was big on modeling. So I was interested in the modeling tools. And I was actually uh, blown away. Like first there was this uphill struggle just yeah. to like... What, Learn the UI. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and how it works and uh, how everything relates. But once I passed that little hill, <clears throat> it was I was just amazed about how much faster... I could work in Blender compared to Maya. And uh, so it, it, I really adopted it and, and just started working with it at work and uh, basically used uh, Maya as uh, the, the most expensive publishing tool ever <laughs> for models. And, um, and I was also rigging at the time in Maya, so I had to do that as well. But mm -hmm. otherwise, just doing everything in, in Blender. And, um, yeah, been doing that ever since. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge, um, I'm sure you were being teased in the office all the time and, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like the t technical artists, I, I think one of the biggest resistance is because the TAs tend to create tools for, for, for the other programs. Mm. Right. And, um, there's like a sense of, um, just making things easier, right? For, for your, for, for colleagues to work together to kind of share tools, but you know, it's, it's so open now where, you know, if there is like a special tool, you can always import it in and, and export it. But it, it, I think in the last two years or three years, you tell me, it, it feels like there's a shift now uh, where everyone's at least more accepting. I still see like the AAA space a little slow to change. Mm. Right. Um, you know, where we're still talking about it and you now smaller circles are like blender. Are you serious? It's a joke. Right. <laughs> but uh, definitely a shift, a lot of recognition, like such as yourself using it and people are slowly adopting it because the everything thing is a big deal. Right. Um, because I've used programs that just disappeared <laughs> after a while or just never updated. Right. And it's just like this old tool and uh you, you kind of feel left behind when you know it got to a point where it's like why why am i not just doing this in mind just forcing it takes longer right but mm. like uh the ease the easiness of um moving studios and not having to buy and request like 10 softwares right yeah uh, I, I was noticing an issue every time i do that <laughs> and it and it became inefficient right when you were trying to be efficient right why am i switching between 10 programs to do anything right now and uh what has been like the biggest uh future that you saw uh with blender in the last year or so uh that has been just huge mon you know momentum monumental leaps from from other 3d programs I would say um, one of the biggest things is the viewport, actually. Uh, I was, you know, when when uh, Clement, the developer uh, who has developed Eevee, uh, when he started working on it, and um, I was really uh, blown away. Uh, because I'd, I'd seen his work. He was doing a separate branch, doing not working for uh, the Blender uh, Development Fund, um, but rather doing his own thing with the Blender branch. And then he got hired by the Blender Foundation to uh, implement it into um, Blender. And then you got this little updates every week. And I got in touch with him and started chatting with him uh, on Twitter and stuff. And... Um, 
it was just so much fun. It was like uh, Christmas every week that you get mm-hmm. something new all the time to play with. And, um, you know, <clears throat> uh, I think people who come from like, oh, I'm a young person growing up, I'm playing games. Oh, it must be so much fun to like model stuff and uh, light stuff. And then they come open up Maya, open up the viewport. It's a great yeah. cube. You know, it's super uh, uninspiring. Yeah. But what I found is like in Blender, what what I love to do is is go from, if I create a character, I want to go from A to you know Z yeah. as fast as possible. I, I Some people are like, okay, first I do the sculpt. The sculpt will be perfect. Then I yeah. do the texture, you know, that kind of thing. But I just, yeah. I want to just go through it all as quickly as possible and then go back and iterate. Yeah. And then if I have created the, the lighting and the environment that the character is going to be in pretty early on, it's so much more inspiring to work because you're in a, you know, you're in a pretty environment and you can see all the shadows right. and stuff like that. Um, and especially like, uh, I did, um, I wrote an article, uh, for Embark a while back about how I create hair for games. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest selling point of using Blender is actually that you can see a really good representation uh, of the game hair inside of Blender because it has, you know, great opacity and great shading and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's a huge benefit compared to working in like uh, Maya or any other application. I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on... Um... <laughs> On something I'll, I'll bring up a little bit later, but like to kind of tie that into, it seems like there's a certain philosophy at Embark. I, you know, it, you guys are still, I don't think haven't announced anything, but it sounds like it most likely something awesome. But uh, this, this R&D period, right, is something that I feel have always been really uh, deprioritized, especially in AAA. It, it seems like there's a huge... It used to be a big part of game development, but lately it's been like, let's just get the ball, you know, get to the vertical slice, figure out what the game is. Like it was design focused, right? And not so much in, in tech. And uh, what I love what you guys are doing is like, wow, you guys are actually bringing it back to the basics and let's build the foundation up and find shortcuts, kind of like what you're talking with Blender to, to make the games as efficiently as possible, which seems to be like this generation's goal uh, when it comes to AAA. It's like smaller team, more efficient, more leaning on, tools rather than manpower to get to the next level um is that something that uh is the right assessment what what are you observing what's the biggest challenge and wins for this generation of game development yeah i think you're spot on there i mean um whatever uh like putting time into building tools especially for finding you know that kind of monkey work that you do as an artist um you know exporting something bring it over to another application that kind of thing or baking or yeah that kind of uh, kind of thing is you can save so much time by um fixing that workflow so it's fast and easy and it's also like you you free up the artist from doing boring work so it's yeah. win-win as well um so yeah i mean time is uh the most expensive part of game development and the effects um compared to you know applications and stuff like that so i think it's yeah it's important to uh try to yeah just make sure that things can be more efficient. And uh, that's really something that Embark has taken to heart. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, there's a lot of uh, R&D going on and everyone is encouraged to you know, use their time to try to, like I've been allowed more to uh, spend time on coding and stuff like that um, so that I can build tools for myself and possibly other artists so that we can, you know, just doing small kind of tools to uh, make things go faster. That 
alone is like uh, kind of mind boggling to hear five years ago, right? An artist learning to code. <laughs> like it, it used to be such a mm. no man's zone between artists and programmer as like we do not cross. But mm. uh, it's becoming a theme where uh, at least being a core member of a f- internal team, right? Uh, the need of an artist uh, being more technical seems to be where the job market's going, right? Like content making isn't enough anymore. You either have to be either a technical artist at some level or uh, basically the, at the very front, the design creative idea guy, right? And it seems like the middle is like the jobs are disappearing um, and, and more driven by AI or, or outsourcing or something like that, just to get it out of the studio and, and not waste time. Is that, is that something that you're seeing too, like as, as in terms of the trend moving away yeah. from, from, I'm not sure actually that the, the, the jobs are going away. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I kind of think it's the opposite that all the human resources are being sucked up, uh, sucked mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. Of, into a lot of companies so that, um, there's like a shortage of people to uh, create games because it's like um, 10 years ago, uh, perhaps, you know, the amount of time you need to spend on creating a game would be yay much. Yeah. But now with AAA and stuff like that, it, it just increases. Of course yeah. you have, uh, you have um, indie titles and stuff like that which is great, I think, uh, more diverse games. But but these, you know, mega big games, it just takes so much people to create those. Right. Um, so I haven't heard of many... Um, I, there's always a lot of layoffs, I hear, yeah. like in, in the States and stuff like that. That's always sad to hear. Um, especially, I think it's a special circumstances now with Corona and everything. Uh, but it feels in general, like there's a lot of, um, jobs out there for game developers. But I, I also think that you need to be like adapting to an ever changing, uh, workplace environment kind of thing. You know, there's always new workflows, um ways of doing things um like you mentioned being more technical like uh uh, using new applications like uh using houdini for stuff uh or blender instead of just using the same application and trying to you know doing (laughs) i think it's important to try to think about how you can create content in another way than you always have done. Mm-hmm. And um, not only looking at other people and, and trying to copy their workflow, but, but trying to think out of the box and yeah. Well, in terms of your toolkit, you kind of mentioning that, like what, what is your top two, top three must have programs to, to make your job easier? Uh, <laughs> The must-haves, you, 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 uh, Houdini, Blender, all right. Those two definitely have been like blossoming softwares where you have to learn this. Uh, I think as an artist uh, in the last few years, yeah. is the third one uh, optional at this point, like Substance or? Um, well, <clears throat> what, what I, do you think? Yeah, I think Substance Painter is uh, yeah, it's really good. It's one of those. Um, <clears throat> great things where great applications where you have a good representation of the final uh, product as well. You yeah. have shadows and and uh, and good lighting. And I also like the proceduralism and reusability of things in that application that you can store a smart material or smart mask and things like that. And um, yeah, it's a really quick baker as well so that's cool um but i i guess i would like to see more um automation in that software where 
I know there's the um, Substance Automation Toolkit, but I think um, <clears throat> I think it could be improved. Um, what I <laughs> I think. Uh, like, uh, my main software nowadays has been Blender and um, Pablo Devaro has been working on the sculpting part of Blender has been doing a really good job. So nowadays I, I actually do a lot of my sculpting inside of Blender. Oh, wow. And um, like there's always been historically a lot of artists who always sculpt details in their assets yeah. and uh, for me i think it's a time-consuming way of working i think it's much better to uh, use triplanar mapping or procedural texturing that kind of thing to um it, just add details to um to your assets instead of hand sculpting those um, that's, and that's just like a workflow thing, you know, triplanar shading has been around for ages, but you don't see a lot of, uh, artists in, in tutorials that has been using it when they're creating assets. Uh, you see a lot of like, uh, like when you have artists who want to create, um, huge render, uh, they use a lot of triplanar mapping, but yeah, not really. Um, assets makers, I think. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. So that's just a. Are you talking about triplanar mapping and texturing or in the sculpt itself? The texturing, right? Just final details. Uh, yeah, exactly. Texturing. But I mean, s sculpting, uh, like in VFX, uh, sculpting is basically everything is stored as a as a Udine sequence texture. So it's all textures in, in the end, anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter if you have sculpted them or or you apply them in a texturing software. So, yeah, I think in general, there with game artists especially, there's a lot of um, wasted time mm. in in each stage. And I think uh, the the amount of versatility of programs kind of um, we kind of get lost in that. It's like, well, I'm in ZBrush now, so I'm going to spend all my time in ZBrush doing ZBrush mm. things, right? Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of compartmentalized, you know, the end product, which is, you know, a, a model with textures on it, right? And uh, and and there's like an overemphasis of each stage being perfect. Um, yeah. Especially when you're working as an external development team outside the studio, there's like little gates put into place of like, we want the best quality each stage. It's like, well, no one really works like that because in the end it's like, what's the end product and what's the deadline and how I get there shouldn't matter. But yeah, I think because of game development and getting so more, much more complex with teams being bigger, but budgets being bigger, that mm. leads naturally think gates are like the best way to be efficient. Um, instead of just, you know, a little trust in the senior artists of like, let me just, I'll get there. Just tell me when the deadline is. It's like, well, when do I, how can I check you on each stage to make sure that you're going? Yeah, it, it, it did. It does feel like the last few years, it's kind of, kind of morphed into that weird, um, weird thing. And I, I think I, I caught myself and it's like, well, I mean, I guess they can use this for marketing at some point, <laughs> like just a pretty high res image. Uh, but rarely that's the case, right? Uh, it's yeah. a lot of wasted work and time in, in those little areas especially. Yeah. I can't imagine for creature and character. So you've been seeing a huge shift then, uh, for, for that department, especially, um, that, uh, like these programs are, are kind of disabling that those bad habits of over, over sculpting and, and doing these things. Right. Yeah. I think, um, especially, uh, repetitive work, um, a, a very, I mean, there's, there's a handful of sculpting softwares out there, right? Yeah. And and most of them are, um, I mean, really good when it comes to sculpting. You can, you know, go high poly and, and do a great sculpting work there. But um, the interesting thing in Blender is that 
you can use all the other parts as well. Um, yeah. So you can use, you know, cloud simulation and um, things like that, adding hair, um, which is procedural and not like, oh, Hand every placing. vertex is a thing yeah. that you have to move with your brush. Yeah. Um, and also you have uh, instances. So I've, I've been experimenting with, you know, just... So for instance, uh, if you are creating a lizard, uh, Godzilla, for instance, um, right. what you would do in a traditional sculpting software is uh, you would sculpt all of these, you know, little yeah. plates on yeah. his back, right? That's a lot of plates. Yeah. But in Blender, you could basically create just three plates or so, and then yeah. you just do a so-so job with each of them and then then you just instance those across the back mm -hmm. and then you go back and and like hand sculpt it better and all and all of those instances uh will be updated and and then you can replace them or you know add more geometry to them or change them to a uh, something else entirely uh, yeah i definitely agree with you there like there's um you know, I'm an environment guy. So with environment, you never really need to sculpt really anything, right? <laughs> Unless you really want to. But like when you're in a, a, a ZBrush programmer, you know, it doesn't have the advantages of the instances and all these procedural things that are more computer generated than than uh, artists uh, instructions, right? So uh, there's always seems to be like a handicap if I fully dedicate my time on that side and then coming back. I mean, I, I mean the, the bridging and all that stuff have always tried to help with that, with Gozi stuff, but like those little times that you switch back and forth, it just builds up uh, yes. as more, and it's, it gets tiring uh, switching program to program and it kind of kills the flow is kind of like what yes. you're, you're kind of talking about. That flow is so important. I mean, yeah, it's especially um, if you're, I mean, if you're picking up an asset that you worked on a week ago, yeah, I don't and remember. Then you have to, yeah, exactly. And then it's like, oh, I have to open this file and then this file and then yeah. this file. And yeah, it's yeah. like, well, oh, did, did I have the ZBrush version updated with the Maya version? Uh, right, I, right. I think so. And then you have to, uh, that, uh, yeah, it's a lot of file management for sure. That <laughs> I, I have that. a bad habit of like <laughs> making it quick and saving onto my my desktop right but like my desktop it just gets filled with like all these stupid files uh, eventually uh, and it just becomes a mess and i hate that and uh yeah it's just a bad it's a bad way of doing things i i, I do like the fact that it, it seems like the movement now it's not about having all the programs for every specialized thing it's more about what's the one program that can do it all because um and for for good reason because a lot of these programs don't survive like the very specialized program right it's like ah this is not going to make it it's not enough it's like completely dedicated to uv <laughs> like rhythm right i was like oh rhythm seems to be fun make it easier but like ah, it's just for uv this is not going to survive <laughs> uv is not that hot for people to kind of invest you know learning a program for and and stuff and it's always that danger right the danger of like well, should I really bet on this and, and learn this program and hope that it's around five, 10 years from now, right? Like I've kind of abandoned so many softwares in the past that kind of have PTSD <laughs> from learning new things, right? Yeah. So, but, it's, it's, uh, but it's also exciting to learn new things, right? It is, but I'm like yeah. at a point where I rather have reliable software uh, mm. than, than keep learning these specialized software that don't survive. Because I have yeah. so many, like a, a graveyard of softwares that just aren't around anymore. Just not enough support, yeah. right? Because business is real, right? So, um, someone's yeah. buying them all. I know, right? <laughs> uh, I, I kind of want to ask you about this because, you know, being a creature and character artist, um, you know, you're finding efficiencies in your workflow. Um, you know, MetaHuman just came out, right? And that's mm, something yeah. that seems to be like the mega scans for character. 
I dived into a bit, but I would love to kind of hear your perspective being that's your discipline and, and your thoughts on it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, it's very similar to when um, uh, 3D scanning started happening with yeah. characters, you know, with, with heads. Right. So you had a, there was a bunch of, uh, you know, tutorial maker people who was into sculpting uh, a couple of years back was like everything you need to know is anatomy you need to focus on anatomy and now right, right. You know, now it's like well you don't sculpt people you just bring in the scan kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right right and um at least in a lot of the um for a lot of the character assets, um, but then you have sure you have some hero character assets that you will, you know, sculpt and and have a you know create a proper character and you know you have a art director that has a certain vision for the character. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of you know opportunities for people who just want to sculpt faces that has gone out the window for sure. Oh yeah, and and that's. That's why I think it's important not to just put all your eggs in one basket. I think it's it's good to have a really good to have a specialty and try to, but also try to you know uh, look at what what is tangenting to my specialty. What what else can I learn? Uh, because there, it's all also a, a huge danger in, in trying to learn everything. I'm. I'm kind of stupid enough to try to do that, but it's very challenging, you know, try to, um, a lot of my personal projects I do, you know, I do everything like, yeah, uh, lighting and rigging and, you know, characters and, uh, and it's very time consuming and challenging and, and I fake a lot of the stuff, uh, you know, as well, just to get things done. But, um, yeah, to answer your question, I think, yeah, I think metahuman will eat up a lot of the opportunities. But but there's also all of the other stuff, uh, like outfits and things like that for characters, which we can still create. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like, that seems to be, not being a character artist, it seems to be the shift, because base, base models are usually provided. You guys don't really... Uh, do things from scratch anymore. Uh, no, 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 not right. It, um, and you did bring an interesting point. It seems like you guys got hit twice uh, with the. <laughs> so this is your second second uh, readjustment uh, <laughs> because you know you know animation had had like the mocap scare right. It's like mm. do we have and of course that was adjustment where you just gonna have to fix up mocap. Yeah. And then I don't, uh, yeah, I remember you, guess, you mentioned that before. Uh, yeah. But it's it's like the jobs don't go away anyway because there was there's more animators more than ever now exactly yeah. adjustments you know, mega scans we we just got hit right uh, people scanning everywhere in the last five yeah. years photogrammetry just just kind of blew up like a lot of what you guys did you know over EA and, and stuff uh, and, and dice you know uh, kind of opening up that door and uh, there's definitely an adjustment and it's like. I don't know any environment guys sculpting rocks anymore. I mean, that used to be a thing. <laughs> the bombardment of rock tutorials. is like, this is how you really make sure that the rocks look good. It's like, I'll just take a picture. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to do exactly. that anymore. Um, but I think it's good because this, this is what I was talking before. It's like artists are more um, needing to lean towards either the idea man or the technical guy. Uh, because the there these tools are becoming so available now where uh, there's better use of your time to kind of learn how to talk to these tools rather than um, you know learning anatomy now I mean it didn't seem like it, it sounds like great background knowledge you know obviously mm -hmm. there's a a strong foundation of an artist to know anatomy, but it's like to absolutely have it as a character artist, it doesn't seem to be too much of a case anymore. We're, we're trying to ship something, you know, um, mm. have that changed greatly or is it more like my blank observation of, 
of what you guys do. <laughs> Sorry, I, I missed the question. So, like, uh, the, a huge shift from, I, I think, when I was beginning, like, 10, 12 years ago, anatomy was, like, an absolute necessity if you want to be a character artist. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, you have to perfect it, right, uh, to even think about being a character artist, right? But now it feels like so many tools are available and the way the company structure is when it comes to creating characters, there's a lot of reuse, um, more like Frankensteining and kit bashing sort of right. And then outfits becomes like more of the, the highlight of a character more so than the what's beneath because you really, unless it's Conan or, or someone that's <laughs> bare chesting it, uh, anatomy gets really seen, um, on a surface level. Yeah. Um, I st- as an artist, I still think foundation uh, is king. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, learning, uh, anatomy and stuff like that is important if you want to create, you know, you, your personal art and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But in, I think in, in production, there, there is a lot of reuse and you use a lot of scan data for humans. Uh, def- <laughs> definitely. Um, so it, it also, I mean, it's not all bad. It opens up the door for uh, more junior uh, people to come in and, and do character art, like start with, off with, you know, I'm doing a bag for this character or things like that. You can sort of split up a character and, and help out. Um, being multiple artists um, on one character if there's a shortage of time. Mm. Um, but of course, everyone, all all artists wants to, you know, own their character and do as much as possible of it uh, by themselves, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, I think... <laughs> anatomy skills are not not useless <laughs> not it's not useless but it's it's not as important anymore because there's so much more uh usage of scans yeah. but now uh there's yeah there's more shift towards um you know stylized yeah. hair yeah and and definitely doing stylized characters that's even more interesting now because then you get to create something that didn't exist from the start right right yeah it's one of the things how you know with photogrammetry you you shouldn't really invest your time as an environment guy being the nature artist right um foliage or foliage master you like stop learning to be awesome at that and but like more towards creative ventures like kind of what you're you're doing like uh with creature art right and and that's completely you, unless you're finding a, a Batman. <laughs> there's no way to photo scan that. It's yeah. a pretty safe job. Uh, and if anything, anatomy is very key in creatures, unless you're you're dressing them all the time in outfits. But mostly, it's always anatomy. You know, nude nude creatures, right? So. Yeah. I think that the understanding of shifting and, and recognizing, all right, I mean, that frees up our time to do other creative, actual creative stuff rather than just, you know, sculpting your body into the game all the time. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, I th- also think that um, for environment artists, it, it's there's a lot of potential for, you know, layout and storytelling and like oh now i'm gonna create this room and um, make sure it fits the style and you know dress it properly and mm-hmm. doing lighting and things like that uh, th- there's always creative work to be done i think and there's always work to be done uh it it never seems to be a shortage uh, of that in my eyes yeah i think there's always going to be human input punching at the keys <laughs> to oh yeah 
to make sure that yeah that's why i think it's either it's one of two people you either got to be the technical art who, who can talk to the computer and, and make sure that it's it's the language is being sought out and then the other one which is you know having the idea a, a vision basically um which is great because I, I think it needs to get to that point for for us to make efficient games on budget um it kind of scared me last gen uh with the ps4 and the, and the xboxes that we were just ballooning up budgets and we were throwing more man uh more people at the problem and it didn't and it always resulted in like you said in the states layoffs right it's just never it's just this bad cycle um nice. and i do see like studios like yours embark and what you're doing as kind of the way of developers taking control again apart from the business right just like we can do this faster we can do this with less people and you know what we can still all be here next year <laughs> yeah like it, it seems more like a developer movement more so than a business movement um businessman movement right which actually actually saves the business part but it seems like developers are getting so senior and, and smart about this now that they recognize that we need to be efficient now uh, because it, it sucks um otherwise yeah and also you know it, it enables everyone to have more of a um nice life work balance instead of yes. working you mm-hmm. know 60 hour weeks which you know a lot of us has done in the, in the past <laughs> got tired of it yeah definitely uh one of the things that I'm curious about is um, obviously, right? Uh, we're, we're coming out of a disastrous, crazy year. Um, a whole new element uh, has been introduced, right? Where I don't know how it is over there, but United States, it's always been a crazy thing to say, hey, I'll work from home. On Even on a Friday, right? It's just unacceptable there's too much intellectual property at risk but now Mm. all the systems are up um i would love to kind of hear your take and what your uh your perspective on what last year meant for us and will mean for us going forward uh, for game developers yeah i think it's I think it was a great thing that came out of this horrible uh year you know, just uh, enabling people to work from home, um, especially in VFX, there's been so much, um, you know, the, you know that you can't work from home. You have to be at the office, that kind of thing. Um, you work with clients that has, um, yeah, mm-hmm. important. <laughs> important um, data that that, that can yeah. get lost basically um but yeah working from home feels like it's it opens up the door for um game developers to work not only in their own city but rather like freelance and working at different studios from time to time Mm-hmm. So it, I think it creates more job opportunities as well. And uh, it also enables you to take a risk on people. Uh, if you're not sure about a candidate, you might take the chance because it's not being, um, not going to have to spend a lot of time and money relocating that person. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also the, and environment thing as well yeah, i think it's a huge uh plus as well and for me you know i i think you have kids as well mm-hmm. i mean i have two kids and it's quite stressful you know picking up and leaving them uh during the day so it saves me a lot of time not having having to ride the subway from and to work all the time. Yeah. But I guess the downside is that you, you lose these kind of little in-between moments with um, your coworkers that you don't really... You know, going to lunch and 
talking about the project you're doing and those kind of random ideas that spring up yeah. and sort of like overhearing people talking about a problem and you'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm hearing what you're talking about. I can help you with that. Yeah. Um, but then again, uh, I think people has adjusted quite a bit. Um, so I think it's so easy now to to ping someone at work, yeah. like, hey, could you help me with this problem? Right, and right. They can just like see your computer instantly, your screen uh, draw on top of it. So everyone becomes a bit more available, I guess. Yeah. And uh, me, I've always loved helping people when I can. So that's something, yeah, I just really love doing and being able to uh, do now since uh, Embark has, you know, adopted Blender and a lot of the 3D uh, artists are not, you know, used to working in Blender. So I get my opportunity as well to to help them out, which is great. Show them the way. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 I see, I see huge advantages. Um, there, the updates alone, like you said, are so frequent. It's it's so hard to catch up, uh, and there's just so much love into that thing. Where uh, where even I am like starting to to get into it to make sure that I'm not left behind uh, because I am tired of you know too, juggling too many programs. But uh, the the one thing too is um, you brought up a lot of good point. Like more more people are gonna be willing to take risks because you know you're not having to spend too much resources to kind of get to the work. It's like almost instantly, basically. Uh, and then, um, although there is a give and take trade, right. With, with remote, you know, like the in-betweens, like you said, with coworkers and mm. it's fine. <laughs> it's like one of those things. It's like, ah, it was cool, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of like stuff and shenanigans that happens in the office that, you know, you kind of, it's okay to let go. Right. So like when you need me, here I am. Uh, when you don't need me, don't bother me type of thing. So it's an adjustment for sure for a lot of people. Uh, I hope I hope a lot of the state, at least in the States, there's like a huge, um, a huge amount of uh, employers asking people to come back in September, like complete reversal, mm. right? So, uh, wow. yeah, there's a lot of this AAA. Well, I mean, they're paying for these offices and there is mm. like this feeling of safety now with the vaccine and it's like well i mean let's get them back in here and so i think there is another wave of like uh problem fixing uh because there's a lot of people that permanently moved away from work thinking that they can do this forever right mm. um but now it's more like special case basis so mm. I'm, I'm starting to see that and i think what what you do, what you guys do at Embark, what I do, and a bunch of concept artists, right, are used to kind of being self-sufficient, but there is a huge amount that aren't. They're just not used to it. And it was such a big change in the, the home life and the balancing. They need that space and physical presence to function. And mm. that that feels like more than 70% of developers. Hence why I think last year... Uh, I don't know. You saw the GDC survey. There was huge, um, like, huge amount of percentage of games delayed. Right, just delayed. Um, mm. Still figuring that out. Apart from IT infrastructure, right? It was just how to work together, how to talk to each other, how to not do too many zooms. Uh, basically, trust. Right, the trust hasn't been established, and I think we're, we're we would have needed another year two people to be at peace at that and be efficient. But I think because the vaccine rollout is coming out, September is the cutoff date. So, uh, but I will say this, that is still allows, like if you're a rock star such as yourself, uh, that, that, that door is open because the infrastructure is there for you to kind of pipe in and, and, and work from home still. But I think the majority of employees are, are going back, unfortunately, <laughs> which is what I'm I'm hearing and seeing a lot. Mm. Uh, That's a shame. Well, I, I think the the best situation would be 
almost like <clears throat> kind of a 50-50% solution. Yeah. That'd be uh that's what people are hoping. <laughs> They're praying for that. It used to be four days at home, one day at work, you know, just for team meetings. And I was like, can we just have half? It's gonna be, if anything, maybe one day every two weeks or something is what I'm foreseeing um with people. And then you know what that means, right? Only a matter of time where it's like, uh come back for the for a full month. It's the trickery. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh I would love to kind of hear your thoughts about um, what what are the challenges that you're seeing? It could be just character focus, but, you know, it seems like you touch a lot of the disciplines, overall pipeline of what this generation is um, versus last generation, the key difference in, 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 in making games. Um, is there any? Is there any challenges? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I wish uh, some of my more uh, experienced and, and, and wonderful colleagues were here uh, to answer this question because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty new to game development still. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I lean on them for a lot of uh, the time. Um, I've uh, um, been really... Uh, yeah, happy working with the great colleagues. Um, but I guess if I should answer the the challenges, is basically what we've been talking about: trying to um, being more efficient, um, and um, working smart, and also try to utilize. Uh, Sort of like if I think it's better to uh, if artists find their solution themselves sometimes. Yeah. Talk in the group instead of having a person on top saying like, "Oh, we should uh, you know try to find a solution for this," and then that person thinks he or she has a solution. But um, it, it's always better to have like. A constant flow of uh, discussions uh, between colleagues and and having artists having access to technical uh, artists as well for uh, tool uh, tool creation and and um, stuff like that. Yeah, I also think I mean one thing. Uh, I think could be a solution further down the road sort of like um you know ai and huh no sorry i'm i'm just um spacing away here i think mm-hmm. let's just scratch that <laughs> <laughs> no worries I, I i get what you're saying like um like the the overhead of manager and, and artists being able to talk to each other is definitely you know cr- uh, helps with efficiency issues right um you know the less that you have to use like a middleman to kind of transfer information and just keep the flow going it's a lot like what we're talking about like not changing programs midway when you're talking doing something and trying to figure something out and having to switch to another program to for to to create another stage right um mm. It, the game being more complex, more complicated, uh, the time wasted in, in, in just delivering information, just asking question can can be a bottleneck, basically. You're just removing all those bottlenecks. Uh, I, I would also like to add, like, um, the... the the, the the challenges of this generation is definitely just it's bigger <laughs> game gamers expect more uh and and all the time faster right uh and it's just a it's kind of like every generation has that it's like faster better bigger you know <laughs> and i i, I do yeah, feel the like the grow yeah yeah definitely um that's why i think there will never be like 
people won't be out of job because the the ambitions is just the bar is being raised all the time right both in games and vfx so yeah i will say that artists especially out of all the other discipline gets in their own way more like we've all had great art directors and we've all had bad art directors right and it's Mm -hmm. all about it's so subjective where i i do feel artists have a bad habit of noodling too much right um and 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 that seems to be hopefully going away where i'm you know from the indie crowd right we see games that are so ugly that it's beautiful, right? It's so simple that it's complex, right? That type of thing where it's not about a thousand hours in ZBrush making it as detailed as possible. It's about, you know, how fast did you get it? And is it noticeable as 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 yeah. not being super detailed? Like that balance is something that I'm finding in everything I do where you know there's personal projects you know of course you just want to max it out and just push it very far but in production i'm seeing the more there's more importance in if you can get it faster good enough because it's a part of a whole picture that's the better path yeah that's the better path i hope we're shifting towards that because i feel like a lot of games only a few games can get away with like this is a masterpiece you know Mm. this is mozart it's perfect all right but most games kind of, I think, uh, mistakenly use that as a guiding light. And that's the way to do things. And it's like you have half the resources, half the budget. What are you doing? <laughs> you have half the time. Like you shouldn't be making games that way. You know, you shouldn't be trying to make Last of Us with two people, right? Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. There's so many better ways to do it uh, and have a good product at the end. Yeah, I think that you, you, uh, yeah, I had um, that seeing something really true there. That's uh, as an artist, it's so easy to get lost in the details. Like if you're doing a mushroom in a forest, you're like, this is going to be the best mushroom ever. And mm-hmm. you're all, always looking at it in, in the wrong context. You're looking at it like, big on your screen when you it should be like you should when you evaluate the asset that you are creating you should look at it in the context you know the forest basically so your character like walking in the forest and it's yay big in the screen yeah exactly um and um as an artist it's 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 more fun to create more content for the game than that single uh mushroom you know, they just spent exactly. Weeks. Yeah, it's. Uh, I hope. I hope it's something that listeners and developers are learning uh, because you know we've been in those studios. It's like, man, I spent like eight months on that, and that especially the environment guy. You just walked by it. I mean, that's mm. that's my first lesson in game development. It's like I'm not going to spend that much ever again on that time. Uh, in the context, like you said, it's it's so many moving. It's a concert, right? It's so many things going at the same time where at the end of the tunnel, the gamer experience is king, right? What's What does this attribute to the game? Gamer. It kind of ties back to what we were talking about at the beginning. It's like, you know, if you can finish things in Blender from beginning to finish, it's a much better product than you having to switch to to ZBrush just to make sure that its scope is a hundred thousand percent right to your liking, but it's a lot of wasted time. So I see that as a team is what we've been doing a lot. It's just like people, everything's so separated. Everyone needs to be perfect at every stage. And then at the end, you only see like 60, 50% of that. Right. Yeah. It, it's a very game development thing. I don't know what, what it's like in visual effects. It seems like visual effects, you guys have to get everything perfect because everything's like super, <laughs> super huge pixels and super small pixels and it's super detailed. Is it, <laughs> I can see why you need to be detailed because it's so up close all the time. But even then, it's only things on the screen, right? You guys are efficient in that way. Mm. Yeah. Well, the, um, it, it's easy to fall into the same trap. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because uh, if you are a bunch of artists 
or rather if you are an artist that just gets you will create this apple for instance mm-hmm. then you're going to create, uh, create a great apple but um in the shot it's going to be in the back right yeah <laughs> so it, it's much better actually to say like hey artist you're going to create this room with that little apple in right. the back then uh the artist will sort of always look at the shot in the correct context right here's the camera here's all the stuff and um yeah that little apple in the background i'm just gonna you know spend three hours on it instead of those you know days that you would spend if you would just do that apple yeah so uh, i think that's a good trick and Speaking of Blender, uh, like say for instance that you like create a bunch of nature assets, right? Um, let's pretend we're not using scans. Uh, mm-hmm. um, like what you would, the, the nice thing there, you can have, you can set up an environment with lighting and everything, just as in your game. And then as you are creating the assets, you could, I mean, you could texture it inside of Blender as well. And then you just, in the same file, you switch to the other scene and you see, uh, like if you had created a log, for instance, you can just place it in the this little forest uh, clearing, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you would see it in context. So that's... Um, it's yeah. very useful yeah yeah and that's huge yeah I, I think that's that's the advantage of seeing uh things all in one program because uh it is a reminder of like don't spend so much time on this thing <laughs> it, it's, it's basically the, the role that i usually took as a senior environment guy or lead talking to a junior environment because you you know as a lead you see the whole picture of in the context and you constantly have to remind the junior artist who's kind of focused on this piece of log being the best job ever it's like no no spend a day (laughs) it's in the back it's it's filler um yeah and uh and it's something that dynamic start is starting to be individualized now it's like you got to start telling yourself that and it's uh i don't think it's quite there yet because it's 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 weirdly like I, I think it's 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 unhealthily where we're kind of aiming at, uh, uh, like the the pinnacle of game development, right? The pinnacle of games that we all love, right? And it's like, well, we spent like five months on that thing. Therefore, if we want to equate to that, we got to spend five months on that thing. It's like it's it's very dangerous type of thinking now. Uh, more, so, I see it in last generation and this generation more than the PS3 and PS2. Because mm. PS3 and PS2 was very um, limiting on graphics, right? There's only so much you can do, right? But like now we're reaching to this point where, you know, it can look really good if you spend more time on it. Yeah. And that's kind of disabling us in a way, I feel, where artists just f- feel like they're obligated to spend all that much time <laughs> uh, to make it look really good in case, you know, it falls in front of your screen or something. <laughs> yeah. Something odd like that, yeah. LD zero all the time. It's like, I have to do LD zero <laughs> to make it look like the best. Not everything needs the LD zero that looks, you know, cinematic quality. It's like, oh, well, it's there for that, right? It's like, no, it's not there for that. <laughs> Just chill. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I want to thank you, Daniel, for coming on, man. It's, we're at the top of the hour. Uh, it's, it's everything about the conversation is everything I've been wondering myself. So thank you for answering him. This is the part where I actually shut up and hand the mic over to you to kind of promote, give a shout out, give attention to anything that you want to talk about. Go for it. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess you can find me on ArtStation, uh, Daniel Bystead and on Twitter, my 3D handle, uh, my Twitter handle is 3D Bystead and um, support the Blender Development Fund at uh, fund.blender.org. And if you are interested in Embark, want to work there or just want to see what we're doing, you can check out Embark 
www.stairstudios.com. Awesome. All right. Well, again, uh, thank you for coming on, talking with us, educating us. Uh, I'm sure you're convincing more and more people to use Blender, at least try it out after listening to this episode. So uh, be safe, man. Hope you uh, are near to partying uh, with all your friends and family again. (laughs) Uh, But uh, thank you for coming on again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail future, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody